This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. And welcome, welcome, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you may be on this lovely, well, here in L.A., gorgeous Sunday morning, sun shining, not a cloud in the sky, this is great, people, I met someone yesterday visiting from New York, they go, oh my God, can you, how can you hate this, it's fantastic, well, yeah, it's, it's pretty good, so um, anyway, here live with uh, Dr. Jeff on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff, we're here for you, we're here for your pets, thank you also for my Instagram followers, my audience, to uh, joining us here live on Instagram, love doing this get some interaction going, get some some more questions and, and issues and problems. So how to get a hold of me, very easy. And for JBM43, who wanted to uh, join, request to be live on the show, what you should do is come over to Pet Life Radio. You scroll, that's PetLifeRadio.com. Go to shows, scroll down to Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff, and then there is going to be a link there for you. Just click on the link. You can join us live here on the show, hopefully with your pets with you. And another thing you can always do, kind of old-fashioned, but it works. 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. You know, you know, it's funny talking about joining the show, doing that instead of, you know, live on either on Instagram, on here on Pet Life Radio with on Zoom. It kind of reminds me of, of, I mean, this is going back in the 60s where we were so excited when, you know, we're talking wall phones in the kitchen that used to be dial. And if anybody can remember back in the late, they got the push button. Oh my God, that was so cool. Push button phone. Wow. Well, now when you think about where we're at, what we're doing, we're talking, you know, it's kind of like the Jetsons had nothing on us. I mean, come on, we, we're doing all that stuff now. So uh, anyway, just uh, anything you want to talk about, now's the time. Uh, when I reach over on the phone, it's to wave at you, wave back at you. I'm not trying to push you out of the way. I got to be really careful. I once did that and I, and I actually hit the wrong button and shut the whole show off. So I'm trying to be very, very calculated, very, very careful. Um, especially, so Stephanie Wise, am I in live each week? Yes, every Sunday morning, well, at least morning here in LA at nine. Uh, if you happen to be back east, then it's going to be at noon. But um, yeah, we, we have fun doing this. And I, uh, hi, Dev. We like joining I've, uh, some of my regulars, some of my clients always have good questions for me. Anyway, um, as you all know, I do like to uh, peruse the news. I wanted to just say I had a hectic week. Um, actually, kind of a good week for me. I uh, became a grandfather again, number five. My son, Brandon, and his wife, Angel, had a second baby boy. And um, so that's pretty cool. Brandon, of course, those of you who don't know, he runs AirVet. He's the CEO of my uh, our telemedicine platform called AirVet. We are the number one platform in the nation. And um, we're doing great, having a lot of fun. And again, it's just great for me because, you know, as, as any of you who know me know, I love talking about pets. I love helping people with their pets and telemedicine, especially now with COVID and the challenges of COVID and seeing your veterinarian. I'm going to tell you, I, it's interesting because I take calls from everywhere across the country. I've done over, I don't know, I've taken, we call them virtual visits. I've probably handled, I don't know, 3,600. And a number of the people who actually found us just because they did a search on Google for, you know, virtual vet or whatever, and we come up number one. So they are, if their vet is not on AirVet, if their vet is not an AirVet vet, then they can. it's better to have one because that way you can what we call request an appointment or, or request a virtual visit with your vet. Well, if their vet's not on the platform, they can't do that. The only thing they can do every time they want to use it, it takes them to a different vet, which it's called an on-demand call. So I tell people, choose a virtual vet. 
So I created Jeff's Telehospital. And so a lot of a lot of the people that are that considered me their vet virtually could be in anywhere in the country and I'm their virtual vet. And it just it's great because we help them with their their equipment. Yeah, the, the reason why I think this is so great, and this is why I got into this years ago, and I've been doing concierge my entire career, is because people panic. And as you should, you don't know. But when you call your vet, and there's a recording on after hours or on a Sunday, for example, because you're closed, and it says, if you have an emergency, go to so-and-so emergency clinic, you're in the car, and you're on your way to the emergency clinic. Guess what? What I have just, just from taking this number of calls. Now, we used to say, and if you ask any veterinarian, they'll tell you probably 80% of emergencies aren't. Only 20% really were. Now doing this as I have been for as long as I have, and the number of calls I've taken, and the number of people I've been able to help, I would say it's not 80-20, it's 95-5. That means 5% are really true emergencies where you need to go in the car, fight the weather. If you're somewhere in the Midwest, fight that snow, if you're in the Northeast and, and it's cold and you're going to sit in now with COVID, you're going to sit in, a, in your car or in a waiting room if they even let you in for hours. I mean, hours. In the heart of COVID, the two or three big emergency centers here in LA, there was 12-hour wait. I mean, that's insane. And guess what? After all that, oh, and you, you get to spend thousands of dollars, which is so cool, right? Well, turns out that after all that, it wasn't an emergency. It could have waited. You could see a regular vet. And, and that's what I love helping people through that is, do you really have to panic? I got a call from one of my own clients this morning. Dog got out, was chasing another dog and tripped on a basketball net that was on the ground and ran right into a pole and now came up limping. And uh, anyway, it's not an emergency. There's no such thing as an emergency limp. I, I said no such thing, but unlikely. That's why we started AirVet. So anyway, Brandon had another boy. It's great. And so he's got uh, now two boys. My oldest has two girls. My youngest has one boy. Life is grand. What can I tell you? It's great. And I, for those of you who have told you in the past, being a grandparent is better than being a parent. I got to tell you, I think it is because at least they can go home. When, when it's, I mean, you, can't, you can't get rid of your kids so uh, that easily. All right. Anyway, I have a, a subject that I want to talk about, but we're going to do that at the second half of the show. But this is a great story. And this is a plug for microchips. For whatever I can tell you, it's plug for microchips. And um, here, here it is. A cat named Ashes gets out from Maine, Maine, way northeast, right? And seven years ago, and the family was devastated. They couldn't find, they went through everything and, and anything. They couldn't find, they just thought finally it was lost. So they get a call about two weeks ago, seven years later, from a woman in Florida that worked at a shelter. This cat was brought into a shelter in Florida. And guess what? The microchip, it went back to the, the family in Maine. So that's exactly what it's all about. So now they're arranging and a person who's involved, they know is a, is a flight attendant for Southwest and she's going to fly them. They're going to wait till when they can. They're going to fly the cat back to Maine. But that is a great story. So if any of you had any doubt, let me tell you something. I have many cats. I have five, all indoors. And one of them, this was a couple a number of years ago, he was named Zoolander male model. He was stunning. Anyone wants to see a picture of it? It was a snowshoe marble bangle. And he was magnificent. And anyway, he got out. And two days, three days, four days, he was gone. We, we, everything we could do. Finally, five days later, one of my little uh, dogs I had at the time, uh, now I have Frenchies too, but um, this was Herbie, our first Frenchie. And he's outside and he's running and jumping all by himself. I say, what is he doing? Who's he playing with? That's nuts. I look out the window and guess what? Zooey, Zoolander was back. So 
At that point, I realized even with indoor only cats, you never know. And now every one of my cats is microchipped. Everyone is wearing a little collar with a little ID tag because you just never know. So even for indoor cats, you want to do this. Even if you have a little dog and you think you only he's always with you and always walking with you and he's always on a leash, you still want to get a microchip. There's nothing, nothing better. And uh, it's amazing. So, but that's a great story. Can you imagine seven years not thinking your, your pet is gone? After seven years, I mean, even I would think, you know, who knows what happened? You just hope and pray that the end wasn't terrible. It wasn't some like coyote or a wolf or something that chewed him apart. And uh, anyway, back again, back reunited. Speaking of cats, we know, and I always say this as a practitioner, is that you can give me the meanest, baddest dog to work on over a mean cat any day of the week. Because at least dogs, you know it, they're more predictable. They are, they're fast, but they're slower. And they pretty much only have their mouths. Whereas cats have all four feet and man, do they have feet. I mean, I mean, just you, you can see, I don't think a week goes by that I'm not nailed by a cat somewhere. And, um, and not even when they're mean, just when they're like cuddling, they, those back claws, they'll get you. So one of the things you want to do, if you have a stressed cat that, especially when it comes to going to the veterinarian, getting into a car, I mean, it happens, it's cats. So the best thing to do really is when your cat is young and you're getting a cat, maybe it's your first one, maybe it's a new one that you want to get him to accustomed to being in a carrier or a crate and also take him in the car, but not to go to someplace they don't want to go to, not to go to get again groomed or come into the vet hospital. Fortunately, most of my cat clients really enjoy coming in. They love to cuddle. You pick them up. You can go to my Instagram pictures. I have such adorable cats that come in, but some are not so adorable. <laughs> what can I tell you? <laughs> They're cats and, and uh, they can be pretty tough. So by slowly getting them accustomed to the carrier, to being in the car, make it positive, make it quick, make it fun if you can. And, and once they're in, uh, you know, especially if a cat that likes certain treats, if your cat is sensitive to catnip, put some catnip, you know, in the carrier. And um, you can also get um, feel away, some sort of calming spray that works really, really well. You can spray like a, their favorite towel or if they have a blanket with the feel away, and then you can put them in with it. So you spray them down. It's a pheromone. It has a natural calming effect. It's not a fearful thing. You don't want them to be afraid because when cats get afraid, that's when they can start really, really becoming a bit aggressive. So this behaviorist is the, you know, basically saying that you, know, you can do this and uh, you try to make it less stressful from the beginning and something that they are. In fact, one of the things that we tell sometimes do, if you have a, a cat and you're working on them, they're tough, is bring them to the vet bring them to the exam room, spend a minute, have the doctor come in, give a little pet, and then let them leave. No exams, no shots, right? If you have fear-free um, in, in the hospital, that's great because then the technicians, the staff are equipped for those cats. So um, it just kind of makes it a more comfortable, less stressful experience. And that's really what is great for the cats. February coming up, this is what I want to talk about on the second part of the show. And I, I will just preface it that February is National Pet Dental Health Month. So all of you should be, well, having your pets going in for, for dental check and even you know, just check it yourself. First of all, you know when your pet likes to lick you and you don't want to go near their face because it is horrendous. The smell is terrible. So you know something's wrong because that's one of the first things that happens is that they get these terrible, terrible mouth infections, halitosis, to the ultimate degree, they come up to you. And, and, and just so you know, it's a, it's a good thing 
to also be able to know what bad breath smells like. Why? Because, for example, in cats especially, but also in dogs, but mostly cats, when they start getting kidney failure, kidney disease, there is a different type of pungent odor that you want to get used to because it's like an ammonia odor. It's really strong. And um, that is also a strong indication that there is something going on with the cat. So anyway, um, don't go away. It's that time halfway point of our show. When we come back, we're going to talk about dentistry. We're going to talk about home care. And we're going to talk about anesthesia-free dentals and what I have learned and I think I want to share with you as well. So we'll be back after these short words. Don't go away. Be back Here is an alarming statistic. More than two-thirds of dogs and cats have oral health disease by the age of three, and one of the indicators is bad breath. Do your pets have a healthy mouth? Do you cringe when it's time for a kiss or a snuggle? Let's get to the cause. Harmful bacteria in their mouth. And bad breath is just the start. The bad bacteria cause tartar and oral disease, which can lead to serious overall health problems. It's critical to make sure your pet's oral health is the best it can be, as good dental health is key to optimizing their overall health. Now, good news! It's easy and affordable to improve their oral health with ProBiora Pet. Just one scoop of this dental care probiotic mixed into their food daily floods the mouth with positive bacteria, which crowds out the bad. This means better oral health and fresher breath. Probiora Pet is an all-natural dental care probiotic. It's odor and taste-free, so your pets will still enjoy their chow. We want to keep your pets healthy. During National Pet Oral Health Month, our listeners can save 10%. Go to probiorapet.com and use PLR10 at checkout. That's probiorapet.com. Use PLR10 at checkout to save 10%. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com Here we are back live with Dr. Jeff Werber here at Pet Life Radio's Ask the Best to Dr. Jeff live on my Instagram. Anyway, we're just coming back talking about urinary incontinence. And um, as I said, what a terrific subject to talk about. So, uh, but it happens. And it happens with older animals, but also other things. And one of the things, as one of uh, my Instagram fathers had wanted to talk about her 13-year-old non-spayed pet. Well, that's pretty good. And uh, yeah, some, obviously some issues, and you can go, you know, there are a lot of things to talk about. You know, one of the things you realize, there is rarely, well, I should say, there are certain things that have easy answers, but there are a lot of subjects like this, and it's not an easy answer. There's so much to weigh so much to think about, so much to consider, and, and you have to make decisions based on the information that you can gather. So um, the, only, the only dog that I would say should be a okay to, to uh, not have been spayed at that age, as far as the data that we know to date, and even that's not complete, is the Golden Retriever. It's one breed that done, done extensive studies of extensive problems, of, of, and even though there are some that we see from not being spayed, there are some greater ones that seem to be more prevalent if they are spayed. And it's a one dog that I talked to, a, an expert, a gerontologist, who basically said, who, who knows Goldens, actually has them. And she said something, and she goes, if I, if I knew then what I know now, I would never have spayed my Goldens. So interesting. 
Very interesting. But mostly I'm a fan of having them fixed. But because of some issues, including incontinence and some other potential cancers, I now like to wait until they're fully sexually mature. I want the females now to have one heat and spay them before their second. There are definitely advantages that from not being spayed early, but there are also many disadvantages by not spaying at all. Now, JBM43 says, our, our, our Goldie, I, I assume that's Golden Retriever, both died of cancer. Well, yes, and that is one of the concerns. There are many cancers that they are finding in greater incidence in spayed females. And again, the studies are being done. UC Davis started one, still ongoing. The data, I mean, a study like this is really difficult to actually come up to a single conclusion. So there's a lot more work that's going to be done on it. But we do know that for whatever reason, breeding, whatever, that the golden retriever has now surpassed the boxer as a number one cancer dog. So, as I mean, they're stunning dogs. They are fantastic family dogs. They are super smart and loyal. Uh, there's so many good things I could say about golden retriever, but you need to know that check the breeding really, really well because they have become the number one cancer dog, which of course is, is sad. Anyway, Pet Dental Health Month. So this month, we're encouraging obviously everybody to get their pets on a regular schedule of home dental hygiene. So that is totally something that's important. I will tell people, I tell my clients all the time, they say, well, how can I brush my teeth? First of all, you want to get them used to it slowly. And what I recommend that, first of all, for some reason, I found this just maybe it's my preference. I don't know if others have found this as well. But when you go at the dog with your brush, your finger, they seem to resent that more. So what I do is I come from behind. I'm petting them. I'm at the back. And I come, I creep my feet forward. And I just start massaging them from, not at them, but from behind. And then just getting them used to it first, the manipulation and the taste of a paste. My finger and the denifrice. Usually get a poultry flavor, a shrimp flavor, a fish flavor, whatever. Non-sudging. It's meant to be swallowed because, you know, I've really had a tough time teaching my dogs to gargle and spit out. It just didn't work. I've sort of given up and now I'm just letting them know they're going to swallow it. So, so you cut away from behind and every time you do it, you do a little bit longer. I mean, a few seconds longer until you get to the point where you can go up, down, around, all the way from behind, inside, all around. And then at that point, you can now substitute your finger for the little finger brush that often comes with a kit. So now you're doing the finger brush as well. And you're just doing the same thing. You can either stop there once they let you go up, down, around, you know, and, and they, they seem to tolerate it well. I always do it before a meal, before a treat, before a walk, something that they really look forward to. Why? Because now the association is going to be that when you come at them and you're going to mess with their mouths, something they may not love, but you started slowly, you've always followed with something really positive, then now what is that Pavlovian response? Now it's going to be that they know when you're coming at them, they're going to get their treat. They're going to get their walk. They're going to get their meal, whatever it is. And they are much more comfortable with what you should do. Now, uh, we're going to get to this uh, about the, uh, what point should we do a deep cleaning? So then usually dogs, they say 75% of dogs and cats over the age of three already have some degree of periodontal disease. And you can lift up and you can see the discolored teeth. You can see the plaque and the tartar. Now, just so you know, plaque is a film. Plaque is what you can remove with persistent brushing. How often? I tell clients do it every day. They're not going to. I know that. But if you do it two to three times a week, I'm going to still love you. It's going to, still, it, it's going to work. Now, once it becomes calculus or that hard tartar, you can brush between now and next year on February 6th. It's not going to help. 
Okay. You literally, that's when it needs professional cleaning. Now, starting at three, I recommend it once a year, maybe four, depending on the dog, once a year to get professional cleaning. Now, what do I mean by professional cleaning? So a very, very hot topic started a number of years ago because the people, let's say, let's face it, people don't like A, to have their dogs anesthetized, even though today's anesthesias are so safe, are ridiculously safe. You're like in a human OR. They're hooked up to equipment. They're getting fluids. They're being monitored. Our the anesthetics themselves are great, but it's fear and it's a little more expensive, 100%. And so two things that we've really learned more is, is that the need for really good deep cleaning and to take dental x-rays. Dental x-rays are very important because when you think about it, you can't tell what's going on under the gums by looking at the, at the teeth. So dental x-rays, I mean, when you go for cleanings, isn't part one, at least once a year, aren't, you, aren't they taking x-rays? Well, it's the same thing. That's how we prevent, that's how we catch things early on before they become deep problems, deep, pardon the pun, deep gum problems. So that's what's going on. So x-rays are great. You can't take dental x-rays in an awake pet. No way. That little thing, that little film box that goes in the mouth when you have x-rays, all right, that thing costs about $7,000. You do not want your very sweet, nice dog or cat to bite down on a $7,000 piece of equipment. They have to be anesthetized. So what happens is that the importance there is to prevent the bad issues. Now, what about anesthesia-free? So I used to do it. I actually had a dental hygienist, a former dental hygienist used to come into my office. She was great. She really was. Sat down, calm, low light, soft music. These, And she was able to do a really great job cleaning teeth. And I thought, you know, that's great. That's really good. In comes one of my colleagues, Dr. Jan Bellows, a friend, veterinarian, veterinary dentist, actually. So he did his residency. And Dr. Bellows did a, a study. It was like a retroactive, over a three-year study, where he followed dogs that went to a groomer or an anesthesia-free place and went to a, a veterinarian on a regular basis. These are regulars. He contacted, you know, hi, I'm Dr. Bellows. I'm, you know, it was a good thing. Jan also spends half his year, I think it's half a year in Florida and half in Colorado. So he also had a good cross-section across the country. And he did this in both places. So it's not, you can't say, well, it's regional. He was following these people, I mean, these pets. And what he did on the post, he wanted pre and post procedure pictures. But what he did also on the post was take x-rays. So and this was on his dime. This was, a, this was a study. The clients didn't have to pay for anything. He followed them. I, it was either three or four years. And at the, at the end, he published the pictures. And I, I got to tell you, the pictures look great. These companies, these people that can do it with no sedation or very mild sedation, right? And they do a really beautiful job. But what are we looking at? We're looking at pictures. We're looking at the surface of the teeth. Are we looking what's going on above the gums, behind the gums, underneath? No, can't. Ah, but x-rays can. And what he showed, the bone destruction in the non-anesthesia group after three years or four years was tremendous. It was dramatic. And what his conclusion was, as we know from ourselves, if you can't get really deep root cleaning, right, very aggressive, as our dental hygienists can do to us. And sometimes if we're really bad, they numb us and they do it. They say, we're going to you know, do four quadrants, one, one quadrant each visit. Why? Because they know they're really going to knock the crap out of those gums and really clean well. You can't do that on an awake animal, period. So after all this time, you have the false sense of security. You're picking your pet up. You look at the mouth. Everything looks great, right? And yet, guess what? Under the gums, a mess. So the conclusion was, and I, after this reading the Dr. Bellow's study, I stopped right away having this person come in, the hygienist. And now 
we do dentistry with anesthesia. Now there is some, if you are, there's also some good twilight techniques that we have where we can be pretty aggressive. First of all, they're down enough to intubate because I believe I'm a big firm believer that any animal that's down has to have a catheter and has to be intubated to avoid problems. And so they do pretty well. And the beauty is because there's a catheter in place and they, they are already intubated. If you have to turn on a little gas, you can turn on the gas. You're already set up for it. So you can talk to your veterinarian about a twilight. It's dextomator with a reversal called antecedent. Um, that works well also. Um, it does slow down the heart rate a lot. So for interestingly, the older the animal, the more infirm the animal, the less I want to use dextomator because that heart rate drops really low. But for a normal, healthy animal, um, it's a great alternative and it's not full anesthesia and probably not as expensive either. So anyway, uh, hiatal hernias and Boston Terriers and treatment versus, okay, that is a great question. I'm going to get back to that one next week on Write Down. And that's for Roosty. We're going to talk about hiatal hernias and Boston's and it's a lot of these short-faced dogs that they have that and uh, treatment reglan versus surgical solution. Great question. You just gave me something to talk about next week. Anyway, as I'm waving to uh, more of you, thanks again for joining me here. That's all we have time for today. We've already passed a little bit. Great talking to you. Thanks for the, uh, joining me here today at Pet Life Radio on Instagram. And um, next week uh, here, same time, same bat channel, 9 a.m. in the West, noon in the East, and wherever you happen to be in between. If you have any questions, any subject matter that you'd like me to talk about, or just something going on with your own pet, and you're, you know, you're just a little lost, you're faced with a tough decision, what do I do? What should I do? What should I ask? This is why I'm here. Take advantage of me. Free advice. Can't beat that. So just send me to either Dr. Jeff at PetLifeRadio.com. You can just send me anything here on Instagram or Jeff at AirVet.com. Either way. And if you haven't signed up on AirVet, do it. It's great to have a veterinarian available for you, your own personal concierge vet 24-7 for nothing else except for major peace of mind. It's a great thing to have. So we'll see you here next week and uh, have a wonderful week, everybody. Bye-bye. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.